Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Not much. I'm in a hurry today. He uh, seems antsy. He's hyper. Wait, who's that? Oh, I, I hello. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> with us today, we have Kansas City Tech Council President and CEO, Ryan Weber. Hello, everybody. Yes. You know, Matt's feeling hyper today. Oh. Yeah, I you need a like I need it. a quick way to get out of here. I mean, I feel very important now. Yeah. I feel like my time coming down here, spending it with you, is, is worthwhile now. You are hyper. Are we talking about something different? Uh, no. Not, we were going to talk about the Hyperloop. Cyber right? Yeah, we're talking about Cybertruck. No, we were going to put a Cybertruck in the Hyperloop. Yeah, can Let's you do, do that? Sure. Well, maybe I'm not sure about that. Now, before I don't think we it's big enough. Before we get started, I do want to let both of you fine gentlemen know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, who can help you build a software development team quickly and affordably. With that out of the way, also go on the internet and go to kctechcouncil.com and sign up and pay and become a member and Amen. do cool stuff and yeah. like. Go to the CEO retreat, which yeah. is freaking awesome, and I'm looking forward to it. Thanks next for the year. plug. These things don't pay for themselves. They don't. Well, your time. So, congratulations. You're going to get about three dollars. U.S. dollars? No. Oh no. Well, it's no. different. No. So, anyway, Ryan, you are here. Uh, you obviously do a lot of great stuff in Kansas City. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And uh, I do appreciate all of that. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is talking about the Hyperloop project. And first off, what is a Hyperloop? That is the right question. And first, I want to say thanks to both of you. You're both members of the Tech Council. You help fund and support that organization, which I'm lucky to be a part of. And honestly, uh, we do appreciate it, even though um looks like maybe... <laughs> Wake up, Matt. <laughs> Matt, you can... All right. <laughs> if you want to see what the hell we're talking about, you can go to the Startup Hustle YouTube channel, because Matt sometimes forgets that... You got something in my eye. Is that why they were closed? Yeah. You want to talk about something fun? Yeah. Yeah, the Hyperloop. Let's yeah. do it. Hey, you yeah, asked, what, what's a Hyperloop? You asked the right question. And I think it's important to talk about what the heck is this technology in the first place and what it's not. Maybe it's more fun to talk about what it's not. It is not a pneumatic tube where, like at a bank back in the day, where you'd show up in the drive through. I thought that's what it was. No, nah, no. Nah, nah. I mean, and you levitated. I mean, it, and it sucked you through. It's, yeah, it's a vacuum in a different way. But no, it's not a pneumatic tube. So, so I can put coins in the Hyperloop. <sighs> I mean, like on the rails, like a train or what are you I talking about? I don't know what a hyperloop is. I'm All trying right. to ask. Let me explain the best way that I, I can do this. Summarize way. It's essentially a tube that the air has been removed. It's not a vacuum tube, but there's, it's like mimicking an atmosphere of like a hundred thousand feet. And essentially a electric motor goes right down the middle of the bottom of that tube. And a pod is inserted in that tube. And essentially it uses magnetic levitation to float. And move very quickly in a frictionless environment. So unlike an airplane or a train where the motor is attached to the vehicle, the motor is linear and it's inside the tube. So that's what it leverages to propel itself. 
And essentially, this would be the future of transportation. It's a very predictable, it's a very affordable, autonomous, I say affordable, we'll get to how much it costs in a second. In comparison, yes, affordable. it is. Well, I'm putting my $100 deposit yeah. down on a Hyperloop as we speak. Yeah. We may need to do that. Um, and it is, I'll talk to you a little bit about the economics of scale there, but um, it's quite a big ticket to Thanks to for validating it. the affordability yeah. of the Hyperloop for all Wait, of us. Matt, how much does it cost? Trillions of dollars. <laughs> Maybe eventually, but the thing about like, if you're an investor, you guys are investors, you want a predictable investment. You want to know a hundred dollars deposit. Yeah. I haven't asked you to invest yet, but maybe it will. But, uh, you know, you want to be predictable. So you want to know that, um, what you're putting money into is going to have an ROI. But when you think about this technology and what else is available to you in the transportation space, Hyperloop's autonomous, it's all electric, it's on demand. It is very efficient to use that energy. Uh, and it's a very predictable form of transportation. The other options you have now with road, rail, and air cargo are not as predictable. Yeah, how does it compare to a high-speed train? Well, it's three times as fast. And it's also on demand versus like you got to take the 10 a.m. train to wherever you're going. So we see. you uh, are yeah, really... But the Hyperloop can't be truly on demand. Why not? Because there's only one pod. There's not. There's tons of pods. Tons of pods. They travel within a centimeter of, each, of themselves. But there's only one lane, right? More than one. So there'll be one lane going that direction and one coming the other? Or more. Okay. So yeah. How so, many, so let's let's back up because you so you have these pods as we as right. we like to say. That's now, the terminology, yeah. Now recent in the fall of twenty nineteen, I believe there I was out of town, but there was a uh, like a, a demonstration at the was it the American Royal? Yeah, you want me to give you like a quick timeline here of how we got to this point we're sure. at now? I think yeah, this should sure. be helpful yeah. for everyone yeah, yeah, listening yeah, sure. to. So if, if no one knew what Hyperloop was, that was my, my quickest way to summarize what it is. But I encourage you to go to YouTube. Go to Virgin Hyperloop One's channel, and you will see from the very beginning of this idea to where they are today, how that technology has evolved. And they've also, they are the first company to build a full-scale model of Hyperloop technology. And they did so outside Vegas at a site called DevLoop. Been there. It's very cool. But what you'll notice are the materials that are used in that exist in the everyday world. They have their own supply chain already. These aren't space-age technologies. It's, it's magnetic levitation that already exists today in Germany and Japan. It's tubes that look very similar to water or oil pipelines, basically. And then also the vacuums are something you can, you know, that, that take the air out of the tube. Those exist in the real world already. So all of this has a supply chain. It could be developed tomorrow. It's Let's just go. being configured in a new way. Yeah, well, exactly. But essentially, two years ago, Virgin Hyperloop One, is just Hyperloop One at that time, did a global competition. It's really brilliant marketing to get states and countries to identify routes. You know, if this is going to come to your area, where would it go? And at that time in Missouri, there was an innovation task force that the governor had put together that were looking for big ideas to grow Missouri's economy. And there were a lot of great ideas that came out of that experience. But one of them was Hyperloop. And at that time, leaders from across the state, myself included, put together a proposal to submit to Hyperloop One that we could leverage I-70 in that corridor to connect Kansas City, Columbia, and St. Louis. And we could leverage the right-of-way that already existed. And in one state, we could connect two major markets, plus Columbia, which has got a great university, research center, and it's close to the capital. So there's a lot of advantages to stopping there. And that proposal was really uh, looked at very positively from Virgin Hyperloop One. And immediately... Why? Well, Why? Like, what do they love about it? Like, what were some of the attributes? Location, I... location, location. Okay. We're in the middle of country right. and we're a transportation hub already. We've been in the transportation business since covered wagons came west. Since the Oregon Trail. That's right. And then the river also was a big and part Sacagawea. of it. Our... Sacagawea. 
Yeah. Good good historical reference there. Yeah. Who is Sacagawea, man? She was with Lewis and Clark. She was. I, she was, was the guide. She? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was the guide. That's right. Lewis actually, and Clark. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's good trivia. Going question. up down the Mississippi River and then the Missouri River. Missouri too. River, which yeah. goes right down I seventy. Pretty much. So yeah. you guys keep yeah, me around here. Sacagawea. Cross it. Yeah. Now make him spell it. No. Okay. All right. So, anyways, Missouri is a transportation hub. Yeah. Well, to be taken seriously in this competition, you needed to complete a feasibility study. So, I reached out to a handful of local engineering firms in Kansas City. Uh, some of them were interested and some of them weren't interested. But Black & Veatch immediately um, got the attention of their CEO and Steve Edwards and his team. i got to give them a lot of credit because they did this pro bono. I'm sure they would hate for me to be announcing that, but they did. They saw that... Uh, this was an interesting alignment between a lot of the strengths that firm already has with the way that they distribute water pipelines across the world, that they connect power and alternative energy. And this was a really good confluence of all the strengths of that engineering firm, plus they're global. So if Hyperloop is going to be something that's going to be you know, deployed across the world, they can do that. And the feasibility study took about six months to complete and it came back as feasible. So two years ago, did the global challenge last year. About a year after that challenge, we completed the feasibility study. Fast forward another six months, and we've been involving our elected officials too. So the Speaker of the House of Missouri, Elijah Har, has kind of viewed this as a legacy project for him, and he's been a great leader on this. He put together, with our advice, a group called the Speaker's Blue Ribbon Panel. That included business leaders from across the state, civic leaders, industry experts, about 40 of us on that panel, and we evaluated how this could be impactful for the state of Missouri. So funding and financing, regulatory hurdles we need to review, economic impact to the state, and on and on and on. And that report uh, was released here in November of 2019. And now, uh, fast forward to the most recent update, which is Virgin Hyperloop One has sent an RFP to several states. In fact, 22 states are going to be participating in this. And the request for proposal, or RFP, essentially is for a 300 to $500 million certification facility that would be at least six miles long to prove that Hyperloop is safe for human travel. So they've proven the technology, they can check that box. What they haven't done is proven that people can get into a pod and travel safely every time. And so that's the next step. Now the economic impact for us, and by the way, Kansas City is responding and we're very aggressive with that response because we want to win and we think we are going to win. We've got the engineering talent that completed the first ever feasibility study here in our backyard. We got great university support. We've got state support and we've got a great project uh, details that we'll announce at some point in the future that are going to be very important to the future of this company. But if we are the first to get the certification facility, we're likely to be the first to get a route, commercial route, and all the companies that are going to want to participate with Hyperloop uh, we'll have a location, ideally, in Kansas City at that R&D center. And that's been really, uh, there's a model for this. So the rail industry has an R&D center, certification center in Pueblo, Colorado, that's been great for their economy. The auto industry has got multiple sites in, in Michigan and South Carolina, and those testing facilities have been important to them. There's not really a testing site in America for an emerging transportation technology center. So there's some for self-driving cars, but it's mostly owned by the auto industry where it's a small track. It's not a real world environment. And I think the U.S. needs a place to prove that, you know, flying cars are safe, that self-driving cars are safe, that the technology that goes inside whatever vehicle it is we're going to be traveling in the future is tested somewhere 
and a government agency has said this is this is safe to enter the real world. So is Virgin are they wanting to build more than one track at a time or are they going to pick one kind of winner? Yeah, well, I can't speak on their behalf, but I can say that right now they're focused on proving it's safe and then they'll focus on their first commercial And ultimately route. is this going to be like owned by Virgin? No. Or they're just the sponsor of it or they what? They have the IP, the intellectual property. They want to license that to an owner operator. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Can we get Richard Branson in here for comments? Sure. Just got to ask. So, excuse me. Can we get Sir Richard Branson? Yeah, sure. Man, just man, ask I'm him. so informal. I'm just used to calling him Richard. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Uh, so, you know, you talk about 22 states being candidates. Um, you know, is one, I, when you were in here before and we just talked about the tech council and different stuff like that, um, one of the things that was a plus was this whole track would exist in one state, right? Yeah. Still it doesn't have it doesn't have to cross it doesn't have to get two different you know states involved which yeah i mean at this point we don't know if the federal government is going to allow mm. this or not this may be a state regulated technology to start honestly i mean things have changed in our world a little bit why politically. wouldn't the federal government allow it you know back in the day like what would be some of the potential objections by the way, if you, want to find, if you want to find Ryan, he's sometimes on CNN talking to the government. <laughs> I did see you on TV doing yeah, that. that. Were you yeah. like talking to the Senate? Yeah, I was testifying to the Senate. Fancy. It was fancy. But it's no, kind but, of a big deal. Oh, that's right. Right. That you was remember the, thing, you know yeah. how many times I've spoken to the Senate? Never. But how many times have you been asked? Um, I don't <laughs> want to comment on that. Yeah. Because then I'd have to divulge the reasons. You were there for good ones, right? Yeah, it was not. Yeah. But it's not in trouble. But, the, you know, there's always debate when these things come up. I think it's interesting that the bar of the bar is that it's safe like 1000 percent of the time when you have a higher probability of dying in a car every day than anything yeah. else. But I mean, and I get it. The we concerns. know how to regulate cars. You know, we've yeah, got sure. throw highway and safety administration. You've got. Uh, you've got a number of different groups that regulate so, cars. Th this reminds me of uh, the some of these stories you talked about. We, we'll get back into the federal government thing, but when they were first building big bridges over things like the Mississippi and the Missouri River, yeah. the, people didn't trust them, you know, and so they would bring an elephant to walk <laughs> on them because an elephant, <laughs> elephants apparently are very known for not ever. Well, obviously, if you're an elephant, you're huge and you don't want to step on things that feel unsound or unsafe. So as they built bridges across the Mississippi for the first time, people didn't want to go across I didn't them. know that. Yeah. That's so they, would, they would bring elephant, an elephant and they like, look at this elephant walking across it. He's cool with it. You should be too. And this was like right outside St. Louis. Well, <laughs> you know, like, so, so, I mean, that's infrastructure, right? And like, when yeah. you think about America, we have not done a great job of investing in our infrastructure, but we also built 10 lane highways that just encourage a car economy, right? And you guys yeah. have traveled, you go to other places in the world and you realize like, they're not making the same mistakes we made. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, we love the Philippines. We have an office there, but I, that while I feel like parts of the, uh, of our infrastructure here in the States are not quite up to speed, you see very clearly where it lacks in other places. Like the, the utility poles are a great example. Yeah. Like you go, you're on a corner of a street and there's like a pole with like literally like a thousand wires going but, every direction. But, True. but I think some of these other countries are also smarter to force more public transportation. That's yeah, right. sure. part the, of the point. The more greatest, mass yeah, yeah. and public transportation. Well, the greatest threat facing some of these larger cities, especially in Asia, is air quality. And it's because right. the car yeah. and these motorbikes, yeah. right? 
and their own manufacturing and the affordability that they bring to the economy or to other countries to buy a motorbike cheap. Well, it's got horrible emissions. That's why it's cheap. Right. Yeah. And you know, in India where you've got huge population centers, you can't build a highway possibly big enough for their middle class that's growing and want cars. So they're very aggressive with Hyperloop. And so is the middle East. I mean, they want to be able to get out of the car business, but you need to, you need another option. You need, a, you need a solution to that problem. So, so that's so, a good question. But, Are there other countries? I still want to answer oh, yeah. the federal oh, question. Yeah. Like, why would what would be an objection from a governing body about Hyperloop? Risk. There's all, all sorts of risks to be the organization that says, "Here's the stamp of approval." Oh, they don't want to say it's awesome, and then like, no, and it doesn't fit into a box. It's not rail. It's not air. It's not cars. But it's it's all of that in some way, shape, or form. I mean, a pod is very much like a fuselage. It's a pressurized fuselage you get into just like you would on a plane. It's not going to feel any different, to be honest with you. It just doesn't have wings. So that experience is going to be very familiar to people. The, you know, basically when you first go, you're on a rail and then eventually you start levitating. So that's very similar to a train did, experience. Did you ride the sample one in Vegas? No, it's not, a, it's not for humans. They won't let people no, on? No, no, no. You'd have to have a spacesuit on because of the air pressure. I see. Yeah, no, it's not for human travel. Okay. But they tested everything they need to test there, and now they need another site to prove it's safe and fully commercial site. So that was their minimally viable product for the startup world. <laughs> it was a couple. For a low, low cost of 300 to $500 million. Yeah, well, the first that one probably was, a lot more. Well, imagine trying to raise money for the first one. It's never yeah. been done before. You've got an idea. you got drawings. you got engineers working on it. You're like, all right, let's put together $50 million and play in the desert you know what feels like the least liquid thing i could invest in right now maybe the first hyperloop how do you cash out on that not a lot of liquidity now you might if that becomes the thing well if you read the blue ribbon panel report uh the economic impact done by researchers was that every year that system could make upwards of 3.6 billion dollars wow all right because it runs 24 hours a day seven days a week so if you're going to invest 10 to 12, maybe, or 10, sorry, 7 to 10 is what the feasibility study said to build it across Missouri, that's a pretty quick ROI. 7 to 10 billion? Yes. That, uh, to go, to cross a state. Right. How wide is Missouri? About 200 miles. That's it? Yeah. Okay. All right. And so they will charge $10 to ride it or whatever, make I the money back? I think it'll be a subscription for people. And where they can really make significant money is high value freight and cargo. Mm-hmm. So mm. things that cost a lot of money to get somewhere very quickly, like organs or other high value cargo, Hyperloop would be the go to mechanism to use that. But also packages. I mean, all these e commerce and other companies that want to get next hour delivery to be a thing, you need and, a system yeah, like that. Yeah, but this. also from a carbon footprint standpoint, like the vehicles Minimal. that deliver, yeah, but the vehicles that deliver these packages and stuff you're talking yeah. about aren't exactly the most fuel efficient. Whoa, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, and, and people are buying the cheapest van they can buy to put those packages yeah. on people's doorsteps. True. So let's talk about the, the, all right. So to get to St. Louis, it's, I just assume that's depending on the day and how frisky I'm feeling behind the wheel, two and a half to three hours. Almost four. Yeah. It depends. You must drive slower than I do. No, I mean, it, it is not necessarily it's often congested. Fa- that's yeah, right. That's it's my not point. How it's fast like, it depends how fast I can go. And we get, we do this drive a lot because my wife lives in Indianapolis. So St. Louis is the halfway point. Now, yeah. now with that, how fast would the Hyperloop get me there? It's under 30 minutes. Okay. It's 27 and change. So that's what? It's pretty four, fast. Is that 400 miles an hour? Six to 800 miles an oh, hour. Man. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty fast. Roughly. Okay. Now, I love technology that solves problems. You guys run tech companies that solve a problem in the business world, right? 
This solves a huge problem for Missouri. I-70 is a problem. Everyone that's driven that highway between Kansas City and St. Louis would agree that it's yeah, a it's horrible a little, experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's but not great. to build a third lane doesn't solve that problem. In fact, all the studies have shown the bigger the road, the bigger the appetite for traffic. You just add more cars if you've got more lanes, and that's a proven fact. So if we add a third lane, which we don't have enough land to do, we'd have to acquire all that land using eminent domain and, um, you know, other, other probably really negative ways to acquire that land, which is not possible. I don't think, because you're talking about premium farmland, right? And most of that route between the three cities. Wasn't Hyperloop have the same problem? No, it would be elevated and would leverage the right of way that already exists along I-70. Meaning in between the existing lines? In between and to the right and left, yeah. Okay. And along the way, you're going to build new infrastructure, power, fiber, which is good for those rural communities. So there's but, already fiber along I-70 already, but you're talking about new fiber. But, but how come, I mean, not that it matters, but if we have enough space to build a lane for the Hyperloop, yeah. how couldn't we have enough space to build a lane for the highway? No, no, that we're not talking about sense. building a lane. We're talking about elevating a track above right away that already exists. So to add a third lane, it would be at ground level and yeah. you'd have to acquire more land. We don't have but enough. So this, this is going to be something of... under the Hyperloop? Yeah, a highway. The I-70. highway. So it's yeah. going to build on over it. Elevated. You're talking like an L bracket of sorts that goes over the highway and it's sitting. Yeah. It follows the okay. same path. Okay. Yeah, I get sense. a lot of questions on this. People ask, well, what happens if a semi runs into the pylon? Semi's going to have a bad day. <laughs> Hyperloop would be fine. Just like today, if a semi runs in the side of a bridge, Bridge doesn't fall down. I, I mean, the, the semi's in a lot of trouble, but these pylons would be concrete pylons that go down the middle of the, of the highway. And when the highway deviates, it'll go and deviate to left or right based on how much you need for speed and safety. Interesting. Hmm. But again, if Missouri wants to solve this problem, your options are acquire more land and add a third lane, which doesn't solve your problem. Okay. How or build you, up. How do you fund that? Yeah. And you can't really build up. You can't add a double deck that far it doesn't make any financial sense to do that so, so. i think this presents a uh, this might be a basic question but all right so let's say i get in the hyperloop and if i drive to st louis right now and i need to go to st louis for whatever i'm doing i've got my car because i'm already yeah. in it so does this create a different type of transportation problem on the on the end of the hyperloop that i get off whether regardless right. of where that is right it does now all of a sudden i mean now i'm just now i'm just stuck now you're in a bird. You're in a bird, and you take that to wherever you're well, going. Well, by the way, our current plan, or lime our current or plan for reducing our own carbon footprint is we're going to get cyber trucks as company cars, Darn and right. we are going to deploy bird type scooters out of the back of them wherever we go. I'd be careful how much you talk badly about that because you're going to want one. I'm not talking about it. I'm telling you about my plan for future <laughs> transportation. I think I think there's going to be a lot of companies that buy fleets of cyber truck, but probably. I, so the last mile is the big question, right? When you arrive yeah. in these cities, how are you going to get to your yeah. final destination? And luckily, we got a little bit of time to solve that problem. We've already seen a number of things pop up over the last year that could solve that problem. But that, we're talking at the end of the 2020s, right? So um, that's that's the big concern. And, and in their RFP, I got to give them credit for, for Virgin Hyperloop 1. They want to know how a Hyperloop system is going to connect to the transit system that the city is already using. Yep. Because the leader of the company used to run the New York transit system, London, and Hong Kong. So he's very passionate about mass transit. Those are all cities that have mass transit in them. And that's the one of the, the things world, that yeah. I could see people in. And I'm not trying to like be negative here, but, you know, people in Missouri and Kansas City, like we don't have 
a subway. We don't have all this stuff. Yeah, we and don't like, need one. We have pickup trucks, y'all. I know, but we're going to be whiny about it is my point. We'll yeah. be like, oh, my God. You mean there's not something here immediately to take me exactly where I want to go and drop me off at well, the exact moment I, I want to be there? I think in the future there will be. It's called Uber. No, yeah, I think well, whatever, sure. I whatever we're using in the yeah. future is what we're going to leverage and people ride. I don't think they're going to rent a car and drive no, a gasoline no. car somewhere in 10 years. But we're really talking about 10 years from today. How are people who arrive on that Hyperloop going to experience Kansas City? I think they're going to automatically connect into a system that, ex that exists at that sure. point. I'm thankful that we haven't built a massive light rail network or a massive uh underground transit system because now we would be straddled with having to operate maintain and own that old infrastructure kansas city i think we're lucky to have a regional transit authority that's very progressive and very innovative they're looking at the future of transit can we invest in that now versus trying to build what already exists today i do think the streetcar continues to be a great investment for kansas city you can kind of see it everywhere but uh it is we're getting some pictures taken. When are it's they expanding you're this? It's because you're car. famous, dude. Oh, you guys think yeah. so? Yeah, totally. That's nice. When, when, are, when are they expanding the streetcar? Well, it's, it's, it's a big question. I I've, love how that's a, a singular ask, the streetcar. Yeah. I've got a big real estate investment on that. I'm just going to live off of it. But uh, <laughs> I'm waiting because I do think it's going to be a boom. I thought they approved it. Yeah, it's approved. It's going to get funded federally. So oh. you need a federal... Mm. Federal uh, transit grant. So the city wants a streetcar, but the city doesn't pay for it. city can't afford all of it, no. So no. with the Hyperloop, that is that going to be a complete privately owned thing? Is that the is that what the hope is? Or I can't say, but I, I don't think... I mean, I'm just curious. Like, is that an option? I don't know, but I, I don't think there's any appetite for taxpayers to foot the bill. It's never been proven before. Sure. How, do you, how would you ever get taxpayers to vote on approving that? But I think that when you look at I don't it, know, they elected Trump. I feel like anything's possible after uh, that. Maybe, but you got if you look at a P three, <laughs> which is public private partnerships, which is typically how big infrastructure items get funded. The public side of that is is not cash usually. It's affordable land or it's bonds that a state can issue that they Tax still have abatement. to back up. But well, no, no, not, not in this case. So there's ways that the state can participate, and they should, by the way, because this is going to make money. It would be unfortunate if investors were the only ones that got a return on the investment, right? The state should should invest, should participate, because there's going to be a lot of money in this. Well, I I mean, are you in, Matt? Yeah, I'll instead of a hundred dollar deposit, I'll do two hundred. I'll go two fifty. Yeah. You know what? I'll, hey, match, I, I'll match you guys. Can I borrow? I'm going five hundred. Borrow two hundred fifty we, bucks. We need uh, <laughs> six billion nine hundred and ninety nine million. <laughs> 999. Yeah. Matt, I'm writing this down. How many commas are in your 200? <laughs> None. <laughs> Four. We, we oh. did have to pick rap oh, names dear. in one episode, and I minus five commas. Oh, wow. Yeah, because yeah. some people want That's three. Some people think they got four. I don't even know what number that makes that shows you. A bajillion. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. <laughs> Come on, so, you're the mathematician here. Yeah. Are you, you're the mathematician? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, compared to you and I? Probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I get it. All right. Well, let's do some math then. So you talk about now 200 miles of track, you know, yeah. from Kansas City and that goes 30 minutes. Right. Let's just say, let's get real futuristic here and say these things connect all the major cities. Does this actually get faster with a longer track? Yeah. So, okay. This is not about going to St. Louis, guys. I want to be very honest. I get it. Everyone no, I want to like here. go to Denver, eat lunch and come back. I want to go ski. Yeah. I want to be like, hey, let's go take some turns. You get it. Let's go. Let's go yeah. to Vail right now. I know we can I do it. it. Yeah. 
And this is what people need to start thinking about here. So this is not about St. Louis. This is not about Missouri. We want to be the hub of a spoke system that connects the entire country. That's where the real benefit yeah, is. Sure. Too often we have let industries start here, but never evolve here, including air travel. To be honest with you, DFW should have been in Kansas City. And we just didn't have the vision. We didn't have the resources. We didn't make it happen. My mom used to work for TWA and yeah. her hub was here. And then we would we still have the exact same airport yeah. 40 years later. And they moved to St. Louis. Yeah. And, well, and then later kind of just went out of business. But, we but yeah, can't, here. yeah, we cannot let this happen again. And it shouldn't because the best advantage of Kansas City is where we're located. You can talk about Midwestern yeah. work ethic and all that, whatever. It is our location. And that is our biggest advantage. Yeah, we're in the middle. Darn right. And for those of you that don't know where Kansas City is, yeah. which... we're in the middle of nothing. Yeah. No, no that's, that's not, not true. true. Come on, Matt. <laughs> Jeez. No. The advantage of that, like, I can't remember the last time besides going overseas, I've spent more than three hours on a plane. And if you lived on the coast, you'd have regular five or seven hour trips oh, yeah. across the country. Dude, right? we're getting ready to go to Cebu and ride the 14, 15 hour flight. Yeah. The middle flight, as I call it, which. Think- is not think about this if you live in la you live closer to hawaii than you do new york yeah oh yeah for sure oh wow i never even thought about that it's a long ass way if you live in el paso but we don't appreciate that because we're in the middle (laughs) but from new york to la that's a long that's a long flight too i mean yes even that but even even on a hyperloop let's say the entire country is connected by this someday which i hope it is you know denver is 500 and some miles from kansas Mm -hmm. city it wouldn't be much longer than 30 minutes to get there because you're traveling 700 miles an hour. So that's the same amount of time it would take to get to St. Louis? Roughly, because once you get up to high speed, you're traveling yeah. very, very fast. Like so it. even though it's a much farther distance, it doesn't really mean a significant amount of additional time. So, so would, would you be able to have like like Kansas City to Denver as an example? Would there potentially be stops in places like Topeka? Or wherever something? you would want to, wherever on-ramps and off-ramps can be built, you just exit. It's point to point. There's no stops. You just go where you're going. But potentially they would want a, a route that skipped that, right? We have like him, no. What he's that? saying is just like you have an off ramp. Like if you wanted to get off in Colorado Springs or what I can't even remember what's on the way, you know, like you're saying, like it, it'll <laughs> just just like a train or whatever, it'll just kind of yeah. shoot you off to there. So is that part of it having or, multiple lanes and being able to get off and get on? And my hope is that it's going to be way more affordable to build on ramps and off ramps for Hyperloop than it was to build interchanges for highway systems, yeah. right? Yeah, I could see that. Because I mean. I, my family's from a small town outside Salina and it kind of died when I 70 was built because it was, it was brought together because there was a highway and that was a great system for 20 years, 20, 30 years. And then an interstate was built. People didn't need the highway anymore. And so there wasn't an on-ramp or an off-ramp near their exit. And so the town essentially died. And that was a pretty common outcome for a lot of small yeah. towns. And I don't want that to happen here because Hyperloop needs to benefit everybody. So if your town needs an on-ramp or an off-ramp, I want it to be pretty affordable to build that versus it was to have an interchange. So I mean, this is, you know, I, I mean, I don't think any of this is a stretch. I mean, when I go up to New York or wherever, <laughs> I mean, a, you, it's a stretch. <laughs> well, it is and it isn't, though. I mean, it, at some point, someone was looking at the subway systems and different stuff. You know, last time I was in New York, I went up to Connecticut, rode a train up yeah. there. And I, I mean, it wasn't fast or anything, but I'm sitting here being from Kansas. I'm like, this this feels light years ahead of what I'm used to. Right. But it was super convenient. And the thing I, I, I mean, that you got to love about that stuff. And I don't know what your ability to do this at 700 miles an hour was, was. 
I was a passenger and that's like, like with self-driving cars, like I welcome that. Yeah. So I, cause I think that driving is one of the lowest value activities you can do all day. You don't really gain anything from it. That's why if you're listening to this podcast while you're driving, hopefully you're learning something which <laughs> makes it a little bit more valuable than just driving. Yeah. And it's, so I want people to understand high-speed rail is never coming to America. It's not. Why it's, not? It's way too expensive to do something at ground level. Look at California, for example, as a place they tried to – and that state has enough money to do this, by the way. It's a very rich – it's the fourth largest economy in the world is California. California, yeah. interesting. But they wanted to connect LA and San Francisco. Logical to connect those major markets. But what's between the two is 30% of all produce grown in America. Yeah. So you can't take a couple hundred feet – and take it over miles and just acquire that land. Those people were never going to allow that. We have the same problem with Hyperloop. No, because it would go over existing right away. Things that have already been transit zoned. That's got to make the overall implementation cost remarkably less. And Probably. Not to mention but they couldn't do that with high-speed trains? No, you can't elevate a train, and, and it's too expensive because you're... It weighs, too, weighs much more than Hyperloop. Is that the difference, or...? Well, not only that, but you've got to look at the fact that it's only going 150 miles an hour. This goes a lot faster. <laughs> so if you're just talking about high-speed rail, you're talking about faster rail. That's really all it is. But it's also not predictable because it's still impacted by weather. It's still impacted by fuel prices. It's not all electric and all autonomous, right? But also it's on a schedule. So you've, if you don't make the 10 a.m. train to San Francisco, you're not going to San Francisco. I think that's rail. the big thing that's mm -hmm. a difference here. And you mentioned, like, I was even just talking about being up in the New England area. Like, yeah, if you miss that train, yeah, you're not, you're waiting, you're driving you're waiting for a little bit, or you're, you're doing yeah. something. And like that actually happened. We were like, I literally running for a train, trying to get in the parking lot and all that other crap because the next one was like an hour and a half later. So, yeah. I mean, that definitely makes a difference. There's a big difference between rail, and this is going to get super nerdy and, and geeky and engineering, but. If you're going to do an elevated track, you've got to have support all along that way. So you're talking about a lot of pylons. Hyperloop, it's floating inside that tube, and the tube is a structural support in itself. So the pylons can be distributed much further away from each other. That's much more economical to build elevated. Okay. High-speed rail, if you're going to elevate it, which they do in other countries, in Japan very much so, but they do elevate it because of earthquakes. Mm. So you've got to have those pylons as stabilizers because if the track was at grade or ground level and there's an earthquake, it would split and you'd have to recalibrate that track more, more often than you would if it was elevated. Okay. That's so, interesting. So how, how is Hyperloop uh, moving forward in other countries? Yeah. So India and the Middle East are way ahead of us. I'm going to be honest. Like America is not going to be first. And maybe that's okay. Maybe we can learn from them along the way. But they've already signed deals for certification facilities in the Middle East and in India. And the Indian project is to connect Pune and Mumbai, where you've got like a billion people living in those two places. And that is a, a big problem on how people commute across that country. And so rather than building a 14-lane highway, they're looking at alternative ways. And Hyperloop, they feel like, is something that can scale to actually move large amounts of people very efficiently and effectively. And so they'll be first, I think. The Indians will be first. And it's a little different over there. It's kind of a one-stop shop for approvals and money and all that. And so they – I'm, su I'm surprised you haven't said China. Well, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything active in China right now. I'll be honest. Or they just do it and nobody will ever know about it. I don't know. And they just make up however much money they have. So they just build it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I haven't heard anything They're about wait China. wait until we figure out how to do it and then just – Steal it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You said it. Not really. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, 
good on them. I mean, like in the end, you talk about like, oh, we won't be first. Who cares? Like, I mean, if this is like, it's but good we to created be created. It. I get I it. Care. It's good to be. Well, how many sh- times have we done this now, where another country gets to benefit from our technology first? But at the same time, like, if this is something that's going to be everywhere, like. It's going to be everywhere, and I mean, I'm saying it doesn't kill me that it does that we're not like I'm not, and like oh god, we got to be first for the sake of being first. I do think we're kind of slow and kind of suck at getting some stuff out out the door every now and then. But at the same time, I mean, if it's still in close proximity, it is what it is. I mean, I, I mean to That's, me, this is almost um, it's a little bit of a threat to the air air travel probably regional travel. But airlines don't make money on regional travel. That's usually subsidized by the government, anyways. So I think this solves a problem for the airlines. Those small jets um, are really the only way to do that. Southwest is the one company that's really figured out kind of point-to-point travel. But, you know, it could affect them at some point in time. I mean, it's got to reduce the amount of need for it. Yeah. Well, as planes have gotten more energy efficient and more, you know, length to their ability to travel, I think the airports will still be essential, but for long distance, like Mm -hmm. overseas travel. I don't think Hyperloop is going to go under the ocean at any, no, any no, point no, no. in time. So you're still going to need a significant. But like if we're going from Kansas City to Chicago or Indianapolis, if it's 30 minutes from here to St. Louis, another 30 Dude, minutes if from I there get, to Indianapolis, if I could get to Indianapolis, game over. Why would you fly? If I could get to Indianapolis, well, I, could, I get to Indy in an hour and a half when I fly. I mean, that's about how long it takes. It's a real short flight. Yeah, but and, but my point is at how much cheaper is this? And you can go whenever you want. You it's, don't have to schedule it. You just yeah, show up and super, you get on and you go. It's not super expensive. The it's the it's the airport. Yeah, you get the airport about, two hours early. That. Yeah, well, it's the and all, and all the other crap. Just getting ready. That's for what I mean. It. Like I would just do this. You will. And so in a hyperloop pod, would the, is that equivalent to kind of like being in a vehicle? Like, would I be in there with my family, or am I going to like be in there with Watson? Are you going to maybe walk in? I always see Chris Cheatham at the airport, so I feel like he <laughs> I would probably. <laughs> I know. I feel like he would probably always be in my hyperloop yeah. pod waiting. I wonder what. So pod and pod manufacturing is a very closely kept secret. So I'm just speculating. I don't know anything. I'm not supposed to know. And then some people are going to want a nicer pod. I think the private pod industry is going to be pretty lucrative. I think companies and people are going to want their own private pods and there will just be a fee to use the tube. I mean, that's one of the things with a, with a car that makes it is what it is, is that it oftentimes can reflect or emulate your personality or your interests. I mean, for freight, that makes total yeah. sense. You would yeah. have different freight cars and stuff like yeah. that, too. But I mean, for commercial travel, they've talked about the pod holding up to 28 people. But again, if it's going down, it could be only having one person in it and you're still making money. That's how efficient it is. Hmm. Unlike an airplane. Yeah. And true. in order to make your Indianapolis flight successful for Southwest, every seat has to be full. Yeah, pretty much. And it usually is. And, well, and it usually is now because of yeah. the lack of planes. Well, let's let's talk about Southwest for a minute because you talked about their profitability. The reason that Southwest is profitable is they keep their planes in the air. And they do that because yeah. they're good at getting people on and off the plane affordably because they don't have assigned seating. They're like, get, move, people, get yep. in there. That's and, right. and, you know, they rack it up and, and get the plane back up in the air. And, like, and that is one of the reasons why they've done a little better. And then they've developed a reputation for being affordable, but, but tolerable travel. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I don't work for Southwest. I'm a I huge just, fan. I can go on yeah. about, I know too oh, much yeah, about I mean, Southwest, yeah, yeah. but imagine if Kansas city becomes a destination of, so we're going to get a new airport terminal, but we're not going to get new runways, but they're super long runways. The runway is actually worth a lot of money. I think each one is worth about a billion dollars because here's why. 
you got a mile long infrastructure of high quality steel and concrete that's like 30 feet thick in certain areas. It's a very expensive thing. Uh, runways are shockingly expensive. And we've mm. got six of them out there, something like that. But imagine if people would take the Hyperloop to Kansas City to travel internationally, because we're again in the middle of the country. So I think it can add some induced demand of, of travel. And I think our airport folks should be maybe thinking about this long term. Is how could it, this actually be a boon for the airport and not necessarily competitive? Because it's, I think it would be really not, good for but... regional commerce. Like the idea that, like, hey man, do you want to go to Denver tomorrow? And the reason that Matt and I aren't going to Denver tomorrow is because if it's too expensive to buy an airline ticket on a day's notice, and yeah. it's a twelve-hour drive. Because yeah. if it's snowing, you're not going to and Denver. That's, well, that's a whole nother. That's a but whole you nother are on Hyperloop. On yeah, I get that. And you know, like, so if you give you give you an example. Like, uh, I'd be like, "Hey, dude, Humphreys McGee is playing tomorrow in Denver. Do you want to go?" And it's like, "Sure," because we know we can get there and get back and not have it be a three-day thing instead of like a day and a half. Dear St. Louis. If I can go from here to St. Louis in 30 minutes, I will take my kids to the city museum a lot. I will go watch the Royals hopefully beat the Cardinals. They are going to come here there. and watch the Chiefs and experience our great city too. But again, I this will is go not to St. Louis, Louis to remind them of why they lost their NFL team. <laughs> hey, you know, on this topic, uh, I, the I NFL hope team in St. Louis or no, in Hyperloop. I hope your listeners are the entrepreneurs we think they are because there's going to be a lot of new businesses right. created because of this. Yeah, sure could be. America has not seen new infrastructure like this in over a hundred years. So those really innovative thinkers, those big ideas, they need to start getting on paper right now because there's going to be so much opportunity that's created. Out I, I hadn't considered the freight component yeah, and like how big that is. And, you know, there's a, there's a, over, there's a infrastructure issue when it comes to food production and rising population and like not enough ground to grow it. And just like a whole bunch of different stuff. And so much of anything you touch that was delivered at a grocery store was delivered on a big truck that gets about four miles to the gallon if it's doing well. And there's just like a whole bunch of stuff like that. And to be the, the idea to be able to shoot that stuff back and forth at minimum carbon footprint and do it affordably is I actually, I, that, that is really impactful. It is. But the last mile is the most expensive mile for everything, whether huh. it's telecommunications or whether it's groceries. So you got to figure out again, this is where the opportunity comes in. When anything arrives at the station or portals or what they're called pods or the vehicles, portals or the stations, then how are you going to get it efficiently to its final destination? So there's still that problem. And I think in 10 years, there's going to be a lot more solutions to that than there are today. Yeah. But if you have, if you have a terminal per se, and you have the ability to shoot off ramps to it and stuff like that, I mean, if you're, if you're in a, look, you look at FedEx or someone like, uh, it's not a stretch to think that they build that off ramp to their own facility because it is what it is. I mean, I mean, do you think that Amazon's trying to figure out how to deliver packages with drones? Because it's because the thing about how many packages they deliver or whatever. It's the last mile. Yeah. That's so, what's yeah, most exactly. expensive. Yeah. yeah. I saw yep. like a weird thing of like an Amazon blimp that like opened up and like all the drones like deployed like this, like, like yeah. the, it was like the flying monkeys in, in Wizard of huh. Oz, dude. They just went, it opened like, just imagine a blimp flying over your neighborhood. Is that how Santa Claus does it? Yeah, totally. And it's just like, <laughs> And like all these drones go out and like, don't you, don't you ruin it for your children listeners? I am still, uh, I'm still going to be very interested to see how people handle the flying drone coming up to the front porch. Uh, yeah. There's some weird people out there. People are going to shoot those things, hit them, smack them, 
they're going to do all kinds of stuff and probably it's cheaper to, than wrecking a car. Probably go to jail for it afterward. But yeah, well, Matt, what what what's your commentary on this? Other than it's kind of cool. I think it's really cool, but it sounds like it's ten years in the future still. Ten years isn't that far away. You're not wrong, but I'll tell you, the two years I've been involved, it's it's moving way quicker than I would have guessed. But it's so, going to take several years to build. I mean, even certification tracks going to take several years to build. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, that project wants to kick off here at the end of 2021, and then it'll take a little while. So we're talking 2023 before it's online, maybe 24 before it's certified. And then Just we, to build a six-mile track. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to prove it safe. Uh, and that's key, guys. What are we doing this weekend? Can we go get this shit done? Let's go. Okay. We'll we're going to Vegas, baby. <laughs> Isn't that where the track is? Do you have a space suit I can borrow? Uh, you know people, dude. I, I mean, if you want to go out and see it, we can go see it. Yeah. I missed my chance. I was out of town because there was a demo here. We were invited. Did you go? I saw it at the AR Tech. Yeah, the pod came. They did kind of a road show at the pod that yeah. was used. And if you go on YouTube and you see the pod in the tube, it's that pod. And it's cool. It's good conversation starter, but that's that's version one. I mean, that is the most raw version of a pod, and it's essentially a sled in the shape of a pod. So, version two and the final versions are going to look very different. Well, I can't wait. I think it'd be super cool. I think an interesting challenge that you mentioned is to, you know, we've said this so many times, good inventors are thinking about what they want to build in 10, 20, 30 years. If you start thinking about what kind of interesting things can, will, and could be innovated as start from startups and entrepreneurs that are offshoots. Like, yeah. here's the thing. I don't have the capital or the understanding to know how to build a Hyperloop, but there's probably a gazillion other things that are probably within, within grasp. If you I'm start going to build a lemonade stand, let's, let's get, exit. let's give some examples here. Like, that like a lemonade well. stand. Yeah. Me and Dylan, we're going to do it. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. Not scalable, but it's good. Um, you might be surprised. She's pretty aggressive. So imagine, uh, think of the problems like for someone who's claustrophobic. You're going to get inside of a pod, yeah. it's pressurized in a tube. For those in the augmented or virtual reality space, that's a big solution there. Where how can you connect cameras along the route to simulate a a moving experience? Oh, yeah, make, you won't be able to see outside. There'll be windows, but they're screens. By, mm. by the way, I, so for example, I, I, the thing I've thought about the whole time is sometimes I get car sick. Like it's a thing. I've Matt's been with yeah. me like once I was, we just drove downtown and I felt like I was going to die. And he went in to go do whatever he's doing. I was like, I'm just going to lay here. And I ended up, I woke up 30 minutes later because Matt was calling me to ask me if I was still alive. Like, so when yeah. I, and sometimes it, it happens, yeah, it does. And it, but for me, that's a, like a concern and that, that would be something I would have to overcome that first time. Because if yeah. you're feeling car sick at 70, it's always city driving though. It's never like just moving. So this, you would basically go and you don't stop theoretically until you're there. No. And it'd be a very smooth ride. I mean, they, what if I have to pee? There's a bathroom. Okay. So at 700 miles an hour, you can get up and walk around. Yeah. If you do it on a plane. What if you jump? Does it, does it yeah. gravity just terminal velocity? You? You're traveling at the same speed as the pod. Interesting. I've got some physics. Mm -hmm. so, well, Ryan, this is really interesting <laughs> and I want to keep you coming back so we can, I want, like, I think this is really fascinating. And like you mentioned, you talk about the, the challenges that but you look at like bridge construction. Like we said, like that was like, people are like, I don't trust these things. Think about that. No, like on that note too. I mean, we I think as a country, we got some really, our generation has got some decisions to make. Do we keep investing and in keeping old infrastructure alive or do we look at the future of this infrastructure? 
and make a more efficient decision with the use of these dollars. The dollars are there. Like you Dude. build the Hyperloop and you're like, eh, we don't really care about I-70 anymore. I hope we get to that point because it's a very inefficient and expensive way to move across the state. The, one of the reasons that infrastructure is underinvested in is it's not sexy. It doesn't, it's not one of those things that politicians are like, you know what, and we're going to use, we're going to raise your taxes and we are going to make bridges awesome. Yeah. And people are like, well, I want a football stadium. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being serious. I know. They, they say that. They're like, I'd rather have a football. I'd rather well, have a downtown baseball stadium. Well, and even, even the creation of construction jobs isn't sexy. Well, right. But the, but the thing is, is there is a crumbling infrastructure and for, Hugely. you know, we don't have to get into it, but it's not good. And one of the, one of the reasons that China is becoming the economic monster that they are is 10 years ago, they started heavily investing in redoing their infrastructure and they're way ahead of us in a lot of different categories. And, and these things, it affects shipping, commerce, all different kinds of stuff. And then you also look at like, it's really funny. Like if you want, it's not funny, actually, if you want to scare the shit out of yourself, do some Googling about the safety of the bridges you drive over. Cause in regards to infrastructure, uh, it's crumbling. It's not good in a lot yeah. of places. Like there is a massive number of unsafe structures yeah. that well, just kind of are there. In the last year, we had to shut down the the um, oh the Broadway Bridge got renamed to uh, what's the baseball player's name? The former scout from Buck O'Neill. Yeah, thanks, Buck O'Neill Bridge. Um, that had to be shut down for a little while because MoDOT had to make some emergency repairs, right. and it was also, I think, a bit of a uh, eye-opening experience for the city because that can happen at any bridge. Well, right. They're, right, they're right, over yeah. their useful life by many, many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the infrastructure you have to maintain. And that's what you're talking about. If it's yeah. cheaper to do, then it's easier to roll out. And by the way, the more of these massive trucks, if you talk about that drive between any city to another city, and it is like 80% 18 wheeler big trucks and like i mean let them we, have it but let them pay for it right or something <laughs> yeah but they, but they're also more wear and tear yeah and then there's my cyber truck put that stuff in pod. Too. send yeah. it on the cyber truck's pretty heavy yeah we don't know pounds. no one knows yet we just pretty estimate those batteries are heavy, heavy too yeah well thanks, ryan guys. well ryan thanks for coming in if you're not too busy talking to the senate in the future we'd love <laughs> we'd love to have you back. Hey, for those of you listening, if you're here in Kansas city or anywhere in the area, go to kctechcouncil.com and sign up. They do really awesome stuff. It's different than the other things that you might see going on. I have personally found a lot of value in Good. things like the CEO retreat. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for Freaking coming. Awesome. I can't wait to go to it next year. It's going to be good. Get yourself around other people that have done what you want to do, and maybe you will have an easier time doing it. Fair to there say. There you go. See you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.